Hey guys, brand new podcast. I had to do this twice. I hit Leanne on the first one because she was fucking talking back. Priscilla's on the on the couch in the man cave, um, and she is driving me fucking nuts. She smells like shit. There's no ads today, so it's just me talking about the beginning of sober October and uh, and what's going on. I know a lot of you have hit me up. I know a lot of you guys are doing it with me, and that's awesome. Keep me posted. I I go on and I, I in the mornings I read. Uh, all your comments on Twitter and on uh, Instagram. And it's, uh, I love when people are like, dude, day three, no cigarettes, no booze, no weed. I'm fucking dying, Bert. Please tell me you haven't had a Tito's. <laughs> I think it's great. And I love all the support I got in DC this last week, uh, from all you guys that, uh, were like, you can do this, Bert. And then like, I all the, like all the support I got from you guys going, Hey Bert, even if you don't do this, I still like you. <laughs> like it was, it was a really, I don't know. I, uh, I've had a, I've, it's been a fun three days. That's great. Tonight will be my third, no, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. This will be my fourth unassisted sleep. Sleeping's not been the best in my in my opinion, but you know what? In all honesty, it was never good when I was drinking. It was actually worse when I was drinking. Right. But I'll tell you what I wouldn't mind. What? A Xanax. Yeah. I would not mind a Xanax. Uh, I'm not doing it because that's not part of Sober October, but, uh. But uh, I would love a Xanax sleep where you just fucking lay in bed and go right back. Yeah, that would be when great. You, okay, I was about to say, when you nod, no one can see you nodding. <laughs> okay. We're taking melatonin uh, at night. That's all I've taken is uh, is that and 5-HTP. I think it's called New Mood. It's uh, an on it product. Um, vitamins is all I've been, really been taking. I've been taking a liver cleanse and uh, B12 in the morning and then a coffee. That's all the drugs that are going into my system, everybody. All natural. Anything can get a GNC. Uh, but uh, but no booze, no drugs. Nice. I'm not... Uh, I'm a little testy today. Yeah? Well, don't... <laughs> you know I am. <laughs> yeah. Just today, though. Just this evening. This evening, I got a little testy. I think... Uh, I, don't I don't know. I don't know if testy is the right word. Maybe Maybe just reactive. I was very reactive. You're not being mean or anything like that. You're not. That's not what's happening. Yeah. Just a little reactive. But I haven't. Uh, I haven't had any detox issues per se. Any DTS. No. no. Which I think everyone. I know a lot of people expected that I would have a stroke. <laughs> I hope I mean, not. A lot of people said you'll, and I think including Ari, Joe, and and uh, Tom. Yeah. Were like. I think people overestimate how much I drink. Well, you know. Or maybe I overtell. Maybe I share the bad days. Like maybe I I don't share like the average day. I share like a, oh, on my worst, this is what it looks like. Well, that and you are kind of like a larger than life. Everything's kind of, everything you talk about on stage is a little larger than life. So I live in, I live in hyperbole. I don't know what hyperbole is, but I don't either. But, I, but people have been saying it to me, and I agree with them. I, okay. I think it means I live in the large, like this is the best burrito you've ever had. Yes. Oh my god, I'm going to die. Or, yeah. Yes. I live. At, I live in extremes. Yes, that's true. And so, uh, but yeah, no. I, I, in all honesty, no real. Uh, like the day I stopped drinking, I didn't feel bad. I just was like, I, I wouldn't mind a drink. Well, that's good. The closest I've come to drinking was. Saturday night, what night I could have drank, so I think Ari did uh, Molly all night, and Tom got drunk, got really drunk to where he couldn't text. Um, 
I could have drank that night, but I said to myself, don't drink because I got to fly in the morning and I have a hard time flying. That's my real Achilles heel with this fucking drinking thing. And, and, uh, and I didn't drink Saturday night, but I, was, I found myself negotiating with myself in the shower going, I could have a drink. And I was like, no, what are you doing? Like, no, you can't. Because you well, you're not going to be able to pump the brakes at midnight. Because I don't really start drinking until 11:30 when the show's over. Right. And that was the closest I've come to drinking. Was that? But not really. Because as soon as I got to the club, I just kept saying, "No booze, no booze." Man, I'm, I'm blown away at how many times people offer me booze. That's fucking astounding. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got offered shots. Like I, you know, I, I tell people oh, I don't really drink on stage, and then I forgot like how many times people send shots to the stage, and I don't want to let someone down, and I just sip on it or whatever. Right. So like, yeah. Um, but not yeah, the, this month, the, not this month, the flight was fucking was, I was, um, embarrassed by what? By talking, uh, I was embarrassed that I had allowed myself to behave in a fearful manner for so long when I could have done it this way the whole time. I was embarrassed. Wow. And I think I've told you this ad nauseum, but I'll say it one more time. The other thing I was impressed with was when I landed, I got a cup of coffee. I'd now, I don't ever do that. Mm-hmm. I got a cup of coffee with Brendan Walsh. We were talking. And uh, and I left the airport. And I went, I got my full day ahead of me. I got all of Sunday. Right. And we went to a softball game. We went to REI. We did we had a great fucking Sunday. Ended yeah. up at dinner at my sister's. Yeah. It was a great day. It was a really great day. Um yeah, Tom and I went to hot yoga yesterday, and we're going to hot yoga tomorrow. Uh, we were going to go with Joe, but Joe's is really intense. We do believe Ari's doing the wrong class. Tom and I secretly believe he's do- either that or, I mean, I, I, I guess Ari did say, you know, you guys weigh fifty pounds more than me, so and we're the same height, so maybe it's that. Maybe. But man, Tom and I are struggling. It's a really intense class. Ninety minutes is no fucking joke. Yeah. I don't think I've ever worked out for fucking Priscilla. Please, girl. She is sprawled the fuck out. She's um, very happy. Joe's in Vegas this weekend. We were going to go Friday, but Joe's like, oh, I got to fly Friday. And so uh, he's doing. He's donating 100% of his proceeds to his show to the uh, Victims Relief Fund. Oh, wow. That's really great. That's a lot of fucking money. I bet it is. Um, I wonder if the theater is going to do that or if they're going to keep their portion. Don't know. It's interesting. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Ari and I are going to do, I think, some hot yoga in, in uh, Arizona when we're in Arizona on the 27th. I want to see him go to the ones I go to. Yeah. Tom and I are thinking about flying to New York and going to his class. Oh, yeah? Seems so fucking easy. He's like, I could do it twice. He's like, I was learning circles around Luis J. Gomez. Luis J. Gomez was on the podcast last week with the Legion of Skanks, Dave Smith, Salvocano. Salvocano and I are doing a, a theater um, on the 6th of November. What are you shaking your head at, Priscilla? Um, the 6th of November. It's not on my calendar. It is at the Joy Theater. It's me, Salvocano, and uh, Nate Bargazzi. It's a birthday show, so bring presents, get tickets. It's one night only. I think Ari might even do a spot. Ari's going to be hanging out that night. Ari and I are going to a Bucks, uh, um, Bucks Saints game on that Sunday. In Wait, New Orleans. Hold on, Ari. You know, no wonder I should have just listened to Sal. Yeah. Ari texted us and he was like, let's go to the Bucks whatchamacall game. So I was like, what time is it? And Ari's like, one o'clock. So I was like, I don't know. I have a really busy night. And I was like, I'm in. And so I was like, really? And I should have just listened to him. I didn't know we had a show that night. But yeah, the Joy Theater on the 5th. I'm on the Impractical Jokers Cruise, the first, second, and, first, second, and third, and fourth. Um, 
Chicago Improv, the 19th, 20th, and 21st of October. All Things Comedy Festival, 26th, 27th, and 28th of October. Bill Burr, myself, Doug Benson, Ari Shafir, uh, the guys we guys we I think guys we fucked is out there that week. I'm not sure if they are. Jesus and Miro. It's going to be a big comedy fest. By the way, this weekend I'm doing uh, the LA Podcast Festival on the seventh at seven p.m. If you want to see a live, it's at the Gold Room at the Millennium Biltmore Hotel. Yeah. Oh shit. Yes, downtown. It's going to be fun. I'm home for a while. Nineteen days, eighteen days. I'm really excited. I yeah. love being home. Irvine Improv, the 9th, 10th, and 11th of November. Tampa Improv, 16th, 17th, 18th. Calusa Casino on the 1st of December. Comedy Store La Jolla, 789. Spokane Comedy Club, 14, 15, 16. By the way, I think I'm in the Comedy Store La Jolla, the 7, 8, 9, 10 of December. West Palm Beach for New Year's Eve, the 29th, 30th, and 31st. Stress Factory, Tacoma, Helium, Portland, the Wilbur has not been announced, but that will be on the 3rd of February. Two shows. Eh, well, we got to sell the first one out first, but we're hoping two shows. <laughs> uh, Morty's Comedy Joint, Comedy Zone Charlotte, and then the Trocadero. I'm shooting my special. We don't... Oh, my God. I'm supposed to come up with a name tonight. Yep. Uh, I think I might just call it Burnt Chrysler. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I kind of like the name. Yeah. It's grown on me. Yeah. 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 25th of the Troc in February. And ladies and gentlemen, that is all I fucking got. Other than I'm sure I'll be at fucking St. Patrick's Day in uh, in uh, Columbus again. Uh, but yeah, that's everything that's going on with Sober October. Hot yoga. I really appreciate I don't know if I said this already, but I really do appreciate all the messages you guys are sending me. Uh it it uh, it's a tad bit of motivation. Motivation is whatever your motivation may be. It may be it spite or fan mail. It's motivation. Partly True. spikes. I think Tom and Ari think I can't do it, and I'm uh, just going to show them that I'm stronger than they are because I have a feeling one of them will slip. Ari's going to end up with a girl, and she's going to be let's just do Molly. Fuck this bet, and you know Ari's going to be like, fuck it, I don't care, I'll do it. You think so? Oh yeah, he's going to slip because of some girl. Some girl's going to want to do something. It's going to be a Saturday. Oh, why don't you take mushrooms with us? We're going to go hang out in the park. And he's like, oh, fuck this bed. <laughs> and Tom's just going to slip up because he's going to be like, he won't realize he's in the bet and he's going to slip up. I guarantee it. He'll just forget about it. He'll forget. It. He'll be eating cakes in his backyard, <laughs> in his toga. Maybe. Um, hashtag pray for Joe. So uh, today's podcast is a great one. This has been a 10-minute intro. I didn't think I didn't expect it to be this long. Uh, it's a guy. You can go inside now. It's okay. Um, uh, there, it's a guy I've wanted to do a podcast with a, for for a very long time. I'll tell him. I'll. I wasn't going to share any of the stuff I shared with him today. Uh, I wasn't going to share any of that. I ended up telling him why I wanted him on my podcast. My initial idea was me and him, uh, four hundred dollars worth of wine, and because he's a wine connoisseur, and really tear through it and get into it. He might be one of the most well-read well-informed dudes I know other than Joe, but the reason there's a reason they're best friends is that, um, he's just, he really is a fascinating guy. Uh, I first saw him a long time ago. I tell him this story on the podcast, but I first saw him a long time ago in the, in the hallway of the Hollywood improv and they, and Steve Byrne and Brett Ernst told me he dated, uh, Fiona Apple. And I was like, 
thought that blew my mind. I don't think I've ever been able to listen to Fiona Apple without thinking about Brian Gallen. Um, but I tell him all this in the podcast. It's a great podcast. Brian's the kind of guy that I didn't know everything about his life. I didn't know anything about his life. I didn't know where he was from. I was blown away to find out he was in like nine countries before he was 14, before he came back to the States to go to boarding school. I didn't know where he went to college. I didn't know how he got into acting. I knew he was on Mad TV, but I didn't know what his journey was like in this business. And we talk about all that. We also then talk about ideas and the and the marriage of ideas and and oh pris it's it's isla priscilla um the girl's got to go to bed you got to go to bed i i'm coming in right now i'm gonna wrap this up all right uh but yeah he's a really fucking really cool guy i really like he defines the word cool in my opinion He's just cool. I watch his Instagrams. I'm going to his Instagrams right now. Uh, I look at his Instagrams and it's like, he's just a fun guy. He's a, I, what I love in him is he's got that comic spirit. Like he's just a, he likes to get goofy, but he likes to go deep and he likes to live a really enriched life and, and do cool shit. I love the name of his new special. His new special is called Never Grow Up. It is available right now. Right now you can get it on Amazon, Hulu, Google Play, Xbox, iTunes, PlayStation, and and much more. It's going to be available on, um, what did he say, something on December. He talks about it in the podcast. But uh, but I'm, I'm he was my big get. I've been trying to get him on my podcast uh, for a very long time. I've been wanting to do this, and I, I did Fighter and the Kid. And as soon as I did Fighter and the Kid, which was a podcast I had wanted to do, um, I was like, dude, I'd love to get you on my podcast. And he was like, anytime. Texted him, and he drove out to the valley and uh, and did it. What a fucking great guy. You're going to love this podcast. I know you will. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Brian Callen. This is Here, talking at Mike LaCiara. Testing one, two, one, two. We're on yeah, a Zoom you, right you now. You sound good. You sound good. Testing on a, one, on a Zoom. Yep. Perfect. God, um, this place is great. Yeah, it's a good man cave. You uh, have two children? Two chi- two kids. How old? 11 and 13. I got nine and six. Yeah? Well, you got boys or girls? You got girls? Girl and boy. Oh, really? You got chickens, too. Oh, yeah. That's that's based on fucking Rogan. Rogan. We went out to their house one night for one day for a birthday party, and Leanne went into the chicken coop with Rogan's kids, our kids, and, and got, his wife. got eggs. And, and was like, was like I'm, I'm building a chicken coop. And I was, I was, yeah. Yeah. Do you feed the, do you, your chickens don't have really a lot of room to roam, but they tend to be insectivores, right? Don't they prefer a grass? So so what they do technically is when we let them out, they just go through any part that there's uh, dirt and just dig up insects. Wow. And, uh, and oddly enough, that little corner is where every insect in the world would be. And so, yeah, my, my, my wife's dad came out to help her build it we had another one that was a little bigger but it was like they never used the whole thing they only used a little corner yeah and so we're going to kind of rope we're redoing the backyard that's what hence the pool and we're going to redo everything and so once uh we do that we're going to re kind of structure what we're going to do with the chickens if i make enough money i want to buy the house next to me and i'm gonna i'm gonna have myself some animals what do you where are you live venice well i live in calabasas oh yeah but i'm gonna i'm gonna open up some space yeah. Raise me a mountain lion, maybe a couple goats. Can I tell you what animal I want? What? Have you ever seen the Savannah cats? I sure have. Fuck. I sure have. Well, now now another cat you might want to look into is the Cerival. Jump about 12 feet in the air. It's basically a mini cheetah. Catches birds out of the sky. Catches birds out the sky. It's 
but I call an athletic animal. But you know that. what? You stick to your Savannah cat. <laughs> I'm going to go with the, the cerebral. I tend to be more of an extremist. If you know I, got, I wanted so bad to move up to Ojai and just start buying bull mastiffs and Savannah cats and just having my own. Like when, when we got, because I lived in apartments, when we got this house, I was like, I want to get a, a monitor, like a Savannah yeah. monitor. Yeah. I want to get, I want to just, I want to get well, a Well, here's, here's what I would, I would, uh, I've had macaws. For real? And they, you may as well have a chimp because they're just as smart and <laughs> no one should have them unless you're a professional. And they destroy your house and they will not be left alone. Uh, but let's say, oh, by the way, they live about 125 years from what I hear. Uh, <laughs> Someone yeah. said that yesterday to me. They're like, yeah. they don't die. There might be one animal that's the best pet. What's that? And that is, you can't have a chimp, obviously, we know this, otherwise, unless you have a face mask and a genital guard, because they'll, oh, and by the way, they'll pull your arms off. So let's not deal with that. And if you'd like, why don't you guys Google hairless chimpanzee, take a look at the muscle development. Have you seen chimps without their hair on? No. Without their, um, while we're I'll talking. Google I'll gonna, Google it. Yeah, I'm going to pull that up for you. Now, now um, they, I would, I'm going to make an argument for the best pet in the world is uh, a working class German shepherd. Um, yeah, because they are um, they're just they're just so intelligent. They'll bite the fuck out of anybody that gets in their way. Holy shit! Yeah, that's, a, that's a that's a chimp without its hair. It had an allergy. Now take a look at the uh, take a look at the muscular. Holy shit! Yeah, and oh, uh, look keep at his go balls. ahead. Keep keep scrolling through that oh thing. Oh my will, god! That thing will pull your head off. I talked to a zoologist who said it'll pull your head off. It'll pull your head off your body. And pull your arms off too, by the way. And then, by the way, maybe maybe chow down a little bit, because you're basically a big monkey. Holy shit! Yeah. Any more questions? If uh, this doesn't give me a reason, is it, this is exactly why bodybuilders shave their bodies. There's, well, that woman had a two hundred pound, a two hundred pound chimp. That was her pet. She took baths with it. Two hundred pounder. All right. Fuck. Yeah. Now that thing is built for cruelty. See that thing? It reminds me of this guy I knew in college, in high school, named Mark Capaz. He was short and he was just as thick as hell. Dude, he was so he could do we'd have to climb their open gym and he would do it upside down. He'd do a handstand, yeah. tighten his feet around it, yeah. and then work his way up it. I'm convinced that people who are super strong like that have like an extra simian gene or something. Like there's just they they have more residue of that sort of Neanderthal or chimpanzee than say I do. It's, I'm, and it's I'm like a pussy. It's like guys like uh like Warren Sapp, who's yeah. not that much bigger, but he's just as like physically faster yeah stronger yeah i mean that's a different kind of it's just a different kind of he's an avatar yeah and you don't know that until you play sports against guys like that carlos boozer who's a six nine two sixty five you know nba player was saying that you know he's a special athlete obviously he looks like an avatar sitting next to him on the plane and he was talking about lebron james and how yeah. lebron james makes him feel that way He's like, LeBron James and I are the same size. He's so much, he's just got that speed and that power that you can't explain it. It's like Shaq when he was young. Did you ever see videos? Oh my God. Do you ever see him in, do you ever see him in Blue Chips? Blue Chips. That's when you see what he was about. Yeah. Oh, by the way, playing with my buddy James um, Hunt. And James Hunt is 6'5". And Shaq looks, well, Shaq could eat peanuts off his head. And <laughs> was hitting three-pointers just over and over yeah. and over, didn't miss. I yeah. never had that. I never had that with basketball. I always basketball. I always wanted it to be my sport, and it never was. I thought basketball no. was so much cooler. I was a baseball guy. You were? Yeah. I wasn't either. Yeah. It's wrestler. Oh, okay. That makes yeah. sense. Scrappy. So, we, when did you decide you wanted to get into acting? I mean, you know, when I when I 
I, I, you know, I think I saw um, Vince Van Patten's son, who was a tennis player. I saw girls go crazy over him when I was 12 at, at a tennis event, the yeah. Volvo Tennis Classic or whatever. And I couldn't believe how all these beautiful girls were going crazy over this guy. And I was a young boy and I was like, and I was girl crazy. And I said, I want to be that. I want to be famous. Really? But then, then I said, I, 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 but that was sort of in the back of my mind of always kind of going, how cool would it be to be famous? And I think everybody has that. Yeah. Everybody feels that. You want to be the person everybody looks at and loves because I love people. Then I saw Mr. Robert De Niro in a movie called Raging Bull. If you haven't seen that, you should leave my country. All right? But anyway, <laughs> one of the great performances, period. Yeah. Period. Uh, Charlize Theron in Monster. You got De Niro in, in Raging Bull. Anyway, and I was so astounded by that. I was so fucking astounded by that that expression and that ability to change. I'd never, this is way before actors were, you know, metamorphosizing into what they needed to be. Then Springsteen. I heard a live version of Johnny 99 and I didn't know anything about Springsteen. I didn't grow up in this country. Wait, where did you grow up? All over the world. So I was, I was, I was a real? foreigner. Yeah. I moved to this country when I was 14, but even then I went to boarding school Wait, in hold Massachusetts. On Start over the beginning. Philippines, born in the Philippines. Your dad in the military? My dad was a banker and probably did other things in the military. Well, he was a Marine and then, you know, did other shit. And he was, um, knows how I'm being really cryptic about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I caught that. You wake up, do you wake up free every morning? You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) My father says you're welcome. Uh, But uh, Philippines then moved to uh, India where we lived in Calcutta and Bombay, now Mumbai. India, uh, then then Lebanon, uh, Beirut, Lebanon, and then uh, we moved to Pakistan. Then Lebanon again, Beirut. How have I never heard this? Then 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 uh, the war broke out. We were evacuated to Greece, then Saudi Arabia, and I was fourteen, and I had to go away to boarding school because they don't have high school for foreigners in Saudi Arabia. They're afraid of drugs and all that. So I went to Northfield, Mount Hermon, for four years. Where's that? Uh, Massachusetts on the border of Vermont, cold as fuck. Then I moved, went to college down in D.C. Where? Then I moved to New York where I worked in a bank. Where'd you go to college in D.C.? American University. American University. Yes, sir. Did you ever know a guy named Sam Salerio? No. Oh. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, no. By the way, I'm wearing my Invisalign. That's Are so, you? So does it sound like I have a little lith? No, it doesn't. Okay, as long as it doesn't have a, I don't have a lith. My daughter's got to get Invisalign, and uh, I don't know. I've never, I didn't notice that you had it in. I don't wear it enough. Really? Yeah. Well, you get lost in my eyes, Bert. That's what it is. Can I tell you what I get lost in? Yeah. I had the same thing you got, and it's uh, and I love that you named your special that. But it's like I I always feel younger than everybody. I like a juvenile approach to life. I'm not super serious. Like I'd love to be able to do what Bert does on stage and get like get angry and get. But that's not me. I'm a fun no. guy. Yes. And I and I don't yes. ever want to lose that. Yeah. And I love. It's what I love about when I listen to Fighter and the Kid. I listen to you guys. I think on the flight home. Mm. Uh, my flight home this the other day, and it was you, Brennan, and uh, Ari. Oh yeah, and I was like, I was like, this could be five hours, and I wouldn't fucking turn it off. Oh, that's so good to hear. But wait, keep I going. So you went that. to boarding school, then to American University. Yep, and then I went to then I worked at Lehman Brothers and Goldman Sachs as a temp. Lehman Brothers, like I was a banker. 
uh, with so is this your connection when you like I know you have a like a group of guys in New York that are big bankers that you're boys with is that how you that, met that those guys that actually comes from being in theater school and meeting actors who then knew bankers and all that so really was, yeah I went to the neighborhood playhouse in, in on 54th street so I have and, a there's a, a like a confession mm-hmm. I've only made this to one other person but I have like a sidebar personal obsession with you oh, because really? yeah because uh when I was very young and I was like uh, doing, I was just doing the improv. I remember you walked through the halls of the improv. I was, I was with Steve Byrne and Brett Ernst, and uh, my boys. And I was like, uh, <laughs> and they were like, "Callan, what's up?" And you were like, so, you were so fun with them. And I was like, oh, I, in my head, I was like, I wouldn't mind being his friend. Like, just, but just <laughs> That's as, so sweet, Bert. But in the way, the way you were. You're such you, a sweet guy. It was guy. so fun. And then I, I said, hey, I'm Bert. And you were like, and you were just super nice. You were like, hey. And then you went on stage. I watched you on stage. I, all I remember is you were like, look at these quads. And I was like, I'm in the back howling, laughing. And I get off and I go, what's his story? And they're like, they lit up. Like, they're like, wait, you don't know about Brian Callen? And they said, they go, Let's save it for New Jersey because we were all about to go to New Jersey and do the Young American Comedy Tour, and so we're all sitting on the we're all sitting on the boardwalk, and I've been waiting for this. Mike Young just tells the best story about getting involved with the fucking mob bosses, and then I yeah. go, "So wait, tell me about Brian Callen, dude." I the whole weekend I'd go, "Tell me another Brian Callen story." <laughs> <laughs> well, those guys saw me. Those guys saw me do some some stuff. There was, I, there, I mean, they saw me do. They saw me have sex with five girls at once. They saw me do some crazy shit. They were like, like for real. They were like, you you don't know. You have no idea. <laughs> no, I remember. I, I remember. And I don't know. I like. I can definitely take this out. The one thing that fasc- the one thing that fascinated me, like it was the first thing they told me, as I think at the time or right before then or after then, right before then, you had dated Fiona Apple. Yeah. And I was like, hold on. In my head, I was like, I was still like, I, I mean, I've been in t- on TV a bunch, but like, I was still like, how do you meet that? How do you meet Fiona Apple? Like, and I was like, wait, what is, and then I was like, oh my God, so you're telling me that this guy that I met that hangs out with all you guys and is one of us, like he's a, he's a bro, he's a fun fucking guy, that he can also speak to Fiona Apple at dinner? And I was like, I Dude, was- Dude, I used to make her play me music. Me I and Steve Byrne were, I think Steve was me, she was playing the piano in my house. And we were just staring. We were we were watching her play, and I would I would make her sing me songs. And it made me like I was I'd always been a Fiona Apple fan. Yeah. I'd for she's a genius. Like no joke. She looked at me like I was a lab rat. Like like she she was she was just bemused by my unoriginal macho energy. She was a genius, and I was a yeah. fucking idiot. I knew I had no business being with her, but I, I I played the part of macho bro, and she liked it. She kind of enjoyed from a from a from a distance my my bullshit energy, my sort of like male mysterious energy, and she was just this ethereal, you know, art princess. Yeah, and I was I knew. What a genius she was! I was I her second album uh, is one of the like I, I used to listen to that and oh write. My God, I I'm, I it's, was a, it's a work of genius. It's a masterpiece. I listened to I would listen to some interviews she did, but I could not after that point. I could not hear her name without thinking of you yeah. and going like like, and so then so then cut to like that's that's see all those I guys know. knew me before I was married. They knew and, you, and, and and I was out of control. I mean, I used to just my I never and Dove Davidoff and I, I, I never I had Dove. more fun than when I would we would we would it was just like I would pick up 
like, you know, uh, just five girls who were from Morocco or French. And I'd be like, I'm taking you all to dinner tonight. And those guys would come along and, you know, one thing would lead to the other. I, that's the I, I said to this. I think I said this to Rogan one time. I was like, I was like, I, part of me wishes that I had been a part of the store at that time. Yeah. I would have. I probably wouldn't have got. And I said this to. I think I said this to Rogan. I said I probably wouldn't have gotten married, and I probably yeah. wouldn't have had a career. I would have because I would have gotten into drugs hard. And yeah. Rogan, you know how sometimes he can. He, him and Ari have this thing where they'll say exactly what they mean. Yeah, they don't mean to hurt your feelings. He goes, and he just goes, I, I definitely wouldn't be your friend. <laughs> like he goes, if you had been here, then I wouldn't be your friend. And I was like, really? He goes, no, definitely not. And I was like, really? Because he and he's he's accurate because I would have been this. I would have been a fucking lunatic. Yeah. I would have been a. I would have never. I would. Well, I don't up. know. I don't know. Maybe I didn't know you. So you you had you had, you have a you have a love affair with booze and with drugs, right? I mean, not drugs, just booze. Booze. Yeah. I never had that. My uh, love affair was with women. I just love them. And, and yeah. it was just so fun. And it wasn't even the women. It was the adventure that I'd be with my friends like Dove. And we'd go and see what, well, let's see what happens. There are those girls over there. Let's see what we can do. There, there's and nothing Dove more fun. Dove is one of the funnest guys to do that with. The best. Dove's one of the more By the way, talk about a guy who puts up numbers. Not anymore. He's married now. He's, he's shut it the fuck down. But let me tell you something. That dude was a quiet assassin, as good as it gets. Maybe one of the more fascinating personalities in comedy ever. I love him. And no joke, and I, I met Dove in 97 when he started. Oh, okay. And uh, I've known him. I was working the door. and I just, Fascinating. And he's just always had an, a real frenetic, uh, a, a gregarious energy. Yeah. And his Couldn't lo- sit still. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't be in one place. Still can't. Yeah. But uh, brilliant. I read his book, Road Dog. It's coming out. Yeah. It's amazing. Really? Oh, fuck. He wrote a great book. and I read a lot. I yeah, know the, you, that's I, the other thing. I know the difference. And he wrote a beautiful book. I mean, he is a, he's one of my favorite human beings ever. Yeah. And he's got that New York. Like, he is genuine of that city. Oh. Like. Grew was, up in a junkyard in Jersey. Grew, I mean, yeah, grew up in a junkyard in Jersey. Uh, David Lee Roth rented a room from yeah. his, from him. I, think. I remember. I was he owned the building. Yeah, I was He's, like, is that David Lee Roth talking to you on the balcony? I was with him. I go, is that David Lee Roth? Yeah, I called him Diamond, Diamond Dave. That, yeah. yeah, Dove's a fascinating guy. We went to uh, Amsterdam together. I don't know if it was the chick he ended up marrying, but he was dating this chick, and she took a shit in the hotel room. <laughs> oh, I don't think so. Yeah, and, no, and I, this is like this is a had while some ago. Volatile relationships. He was like, he came in the van. He's and she's with him. He goes, "Can I ask you a question? Would you take a shit in a room? Who goes? Who does that?" And I was like, "I do it." And he's like, "Oh, exactly. That's why I'm having a problem with this." It was like he's he fucking kills me. Yeah, he he he's he's amazing. But the other thing that uh, thank you for your compliment about being obsessed with me. It's very no. Nice. The, well, the other thing was is uh, and I. Very candidly, I think I've told everyone this, but like I was a fan of Rogan's podcast before I did it, and there were people I knew automatically going into it, uh, and that was like obviously Joey Diaz, Ari, uh, like Tripoli Segura. Like I think I did my first episode was like number seventy or something, mm. and and you. And when I heard you the first time, I went, I was like, the first thing I thought was like, oh, I don't fucking read enough. <laughs> I remember being like, how does he know so much fucking shit? And like yeah. it was like the. Like this, the Cerebral Cats. Like, it was like, you have this, and I was like, how does he maintain all this in his head? Like, this is fucking killing me. And then, I think right after that, The Hangover 2 came out, or the, what, <laughs> Hangover, and I, I'm watching it with someone, and they're like, 
dude, Callan's such a great actor. And I was like, who's, where's Callan? And he's like, he's the fucking, the, the Persian guy. I go, that's fucking Brian. I was, and I, it, yeah, that, that that happened because we did the reading, and he was supposed to be a guy from New York who talks like this. Is Eddie, you know, yeah. in, a, in a tracksuit? And I said, if he owns a, you know, a, a wedding chapel, he should be from Armenia or from you know Lebanon or something like this, you know, from Israel. And he can, you know, those guys can get you anything Persian, <laughs> yeah. body. I can get you, you know, and and so he loved that idea. So I played him as a Lebanese guy, specifically. That was, but but so I think all those things. Uh, kind of compiled when I ended up doing Fighter and the Kid, and I had one of the fun. It's one of the fun, po- funnest podcasts I've ever done. You were great. I love Brennan. I think he is the best, a genuine soul. He, he's a very special guy too. The, Brennan has been. Brennan's had. He's a thirty-four-year-old guy, and he's had a huge impact on my life in such a positive way. First of all. This thing, The Fighter and the Kid, which has become a monster, is A real monster. You know, I I had the idea, let's do a podcast, and kind of said, this could be great. But he's the guy. I think I came up with, you know, I'm good at coming up with names. I came up with The Fighter and the Kid. I I, I, I was the first guy to call him Big Brown. Yeah. All that good stuff. But this motherfucker is the the business mind. He really is. This guy, he's the guy who comes up with all the graphics that everybody copies now. He's the guy, he's a marketing whiz. I mean, he's just fucking brilliant. He's the one who designs all the T-shirts. I don't do any of that stuff. Yeah. You know, he, he's just an entrepreneur. He's just amazing. And oh, by the way, he'll come up with ideas, and he has other ideas that he's doing now, and I have nothing to do with him. And he, I'll get a text from him which says, hey, brother, you know anything I do, you're involved. Just ask. Yeah. Like he's a true friend. Yeah, he's, he's uh, when, I, when he first did my podcast, I didn't know... I didn't know what to talk to him about because I wasn't that big into fighting. But I knew I didn't know like everything. We had a good podcast; it was great. And then we hung out the other day, like a, a few weeks ago. We hung out to work on something to talk about a project. And I there's a lot I didn't know about him. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. And I and he's an artist. He's actually an artist trapped in a giant fucking wrecking machine's body. Yeah. You know, he's and he loves stand up. He wants to be a comic so badly and he's doing it. Yeah. He's fucking pulling it off. Sugar and I were talking about him last night when we were going to hot yoga. We were like we were like, yo, we were talking I love that I love that uh that Instagram post that Segura posted on hot yoga. Oh dude. It was so fucking great. horrible. It's brutal. It's not like and Ari's like, Oh, I could do two a day. And we're like, what well, the it depends fuck? on your body type too. If you if you don't do well in the heat, I do really well in the heat, so I can do that shit with my eyes closed. Yeah, I suck in the cold. You're probably great in the cold. I'm really good in the cold. Yeah. All my fat. Yeah, and I panic in the cold. Ari and I, or Tom and I, were both like, we're just doing the breathing exercise at the beginning, and he looks at me. He's like, I don't know if I can do this. And we're five, five minutes into a ninety minute yoga. Yeah. At thirty minutes, uh, they have us lay back on our backs into nam- what is it? Namaste. What are, yeah. yeah. And uh, and our hands are stressed or not out. Namaste. Uh, uh, Tuckeronga or something. I don't yeah, know. something like that. And Namaste means thanks. Tom just grabs my hand, like grabs my fingers, and looks at me, and he's like shaking his head. No, we got done, and we're like, "There's no way Ari's doing the right thing." We've all been texting back and forth. They're like, "Ari must not be in the right class." <laughs> There's yeah. no way. But- I, I find it too long. I did a lot of hot yoga as how I was introduced, and I find stretching in that heat to be a little bit too long 60 minutes is is actually yeah. doable How about 20 and then lift weights you know yeah. what i'm saying yeah go for a jog I'll, I'll do that i like bodies when i see a crossfitter like i've never said oh 
you know, that guy's got a great body. He's got a total yoga body. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, when I see a CrossFitter or an <laughs> MMA fighter, those are guys I go, holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Even a pro soccer player. But I've never said, he's got a total yoga body. The guy can do the splits. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care how flexible a guy is. We got, we got, I dropped Tom off. And we've been just talking the entire time about Ari, about this challenge, about Brendan, about you, because I, I knew you were coming over today. And Tom gets to, out of the car and he's like, yo, we haven't even talked about our instructor. <laughs> our instructor was wearing underwear mm-hmm. and was ripped, yeah. but bo- looked like Moby. And, yeah, and- comes from, uh, comes from uh, Bikram, who you know, was, had, drove around two gold Rolls Royces, he and his wife, and yeah. he would be in a Speedo. Basically, a, a wraparound diaper. Really? Yeah. Wear a bandana and at the Bikram Academy. I think a lot of yoga is good, and I think it's a legitimate exercise if it's complemented with other things. But I also think it's uh, not so much sometimes. I think that you, do, you can do too much yoga. You can, you, can, uh, you can stretch your tendons beyond their natural ability and which will give you an arthritic condition in your joints and i don't think it's uh i think it's a little overrated i don't think yogis from india uh are the healthiest people i don't think they have the best bodies at all uh because i can look at their bodies i mean Iyengar, who's the great the great yogi with an insane religious following is can do amazing things with his body. He's super flexible, but I don't want that body. I don't think he's has a good body at all, yeah. and I don't think he's in good shape. How about fucking that, you yogi people? How about that? <laughs> so a lot of this is just conventional sort of accepted wisdom that I, I as I get older, grow more and more suspect of. Yeah, I liked I liked the cleansing process of it. Sure, I sweat a ton. Sure. That's the other thing is I guess apparently you're sweating out toxins. Mm. Nobody's ever been able to dis- de- has no one has ever been able to identify what toxins they mean. So if you look at when they say it, you sweat a lot of toxins out, you do a detox, do you? You do a liver detox, do you? What toxins exactly, <laughs> sir? Because I know the kidneys and the liver are do are constantly detoxifying you. Yeah. But um, I don't know that you sweat toxins. You sweat out saline and a viscous fluid out of your armpits and your nipples and uh, I think a certain glands in your groin. They're two different kinds of sweat. But toxins? Ex- exactly what toxins do you mean, sir? Do you mean heavy metals? I don't think so. Has that been proven? Do you have the data on that? I'll answer your own question. No, you don't. <laughs> so... A lot of this is uh, there's entire industries always have been, always will be based around the fact that we will detoxify you. That is essentially what a vegan lifestyle is about. I'm not knocking vegans. I think there's a lot of good that goes with a plant-based diet. I can't do it personally. I don't know enough about it, but I'm sure it works for some people. But, mm, you know, we are all religious Do you understand? We are all religious in our own way. We are all somewhat of a fundamentalist in our own way. Uh, I am, I am that way with nutrition. Uh, I will, I will pontificate for hours on the evils of sugar and simple carbs, but you know, I don't know if I'm a hundred percent right. I've read three or four books on it and I'm full of opinions. Um, I lectured my doctor on insulin. I don't really know how it works. I lectured my doctor on insulin. Yeah, I don't know how it really works. But I'm religious about that, you know. Um, uh, we, we all do that. I was there's a very good book that everybody should read called *Sapiens* by Yuval Harari, an Israeli historian. I, it's 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 a brief history of humankind. How long does it take you to read a book? 
I, I never I never worry about that. I just I, I, I download like it reading? on Audible, and when I drive, I listen to a chapter at a time. At a time. Right. Don't ever read. Don't worry about reading a whole book. Just worry about about the fact that that author has an argument to be made. There's a thesis, and then around that thesis will be um, several or many many examples. Don't worry about so. Don't that, worry about you, getting from a book. No, to, no. I, I started reading a book about the. Um, British Empire and the colonization of the world, yeah. and, and I started reading it in Singapore because I was interested. Yeah, and then I was too much. Then, yeah, it was too much for me. Now, so I would I would have told you to stop reading that, and I would have given you 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 Yuval Harari's book because Harari in Sapiens gives you perspective on what empire and imperial imperialism means. We have always been imperialistic, all cultures. There's this idea that the West was imperialistic. It's a bunch of horseshit. The Persians were, the Assyrians were, the Babylonians were. It's never not been that way. The Romans were, the Greeks were, and we are all a product of imperial expansion. And and, and, and by the way, so were the Mongols, so were the Turks, so were the Ottomans. Um, So we're all a product of of essentially uh, a stronger group of of a stronger country with better technology, better organization, better political systems, or at least more efficient political and political and, and military institutions that then went on to take over and subjugate people against their will. That is the story of human history. We've come a long way now, but we are now nudging toward essentially a global empire. That's what's happening. Yeah. We're all essentially using the same words when the United States, I'm stealing from sapiens, but when the United States has an argument with Persia or even North Korea, we're speaking, we're using the same concepts. We're talking about the language of nuclear physics. We're talking about nation state sovereignty. We're talking about, uh, we're talking in the same language through interpreters. So, but we're, we're all kind of talking about, you know, human rights, and you're wrong because you're being an aggressor. These were not conversations that were had between the Romans and the Goths. Yeah. The Romans were like, hey, you guys are fucking barbarians. We're going to kill you and take all your women and all your resources. Now, you're going to give it to us voluntarily or we're going to come in and cut you in half. And we're right because we have might. Yeah. That's not a platform that the world would recognize anymore. You'd be considered a pariah. Yeah. That's a long fucking winded thing to say. But the point is, is that, you know, that's a book to read, Sapiens. Now, what do you think is going to go on with, what do you you think about this North Korea thing? I think that North Korea is, you know, I I think that what will probably happen is China and Russia will see more benefit in siding with the United States, at least publicly. And there is a rumor that the premier of China has no respect for that little shithead in North Korea. Yeah. He annoys him. And uh, so, you know, no one wants to see a nuclear Japan, not South Korea, not not Japan. I'm sorry, a a nuclear North Korea. So so I think what will happen is I really believe that North Korea is afraid of Trump. I think they think he's as unpredictable as their own leader. Yeah. And I think that they will have to show a, a sort of a, publicly that they're not taking any shit, but they will make concessions because they know they can't win a war. There's and no way they can. Well, they, they're terrified of, 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 they're really terrified of losing their 
regime, which was what would happen. I mean, uh, you know, so so I think what you'll see is well, some I never looked at it from that perspective because I guess he looks at it like, oh, yeah, if I start this fight, sure, I'll start the fight. Sure, they'll bomb us. But then they will overtake me and I will no longer get all the pleasures I get. Oh, it'll, it'll be a disaster. Yeah. I mean, there's, that's a completely unwinnable war conventionally or, God forbid, in a nuclear capacity. Oh, and by the way, I think they probably also know that we have the ability to jam their technology. Their nuclear technology. Yeah. And there's even a school of thought that Michael Mouse is talking about on Rogan, and Michael wrote a book on, on this, um, that they, they had these failed tests on purpose. They just have to show face. But, you know, uh, yeah, you want to miniaturize a hydrogen bomb and put it on an intercontinental ballistic missile? Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. You can do that. Now, if you think that there's any value in shooting that at a European Asian or American ally, or God forbid, the continental United States, yeah. it will be the end. It will be the end of your your existence. Yeah. So it makes zero sense. I mean, you know, somebody was talking about how Oppenheimer, the father of the nuclear program, uh, should have won a Nobel Peace Prize. Because the irony is he created the, the, you know, a, a, a weapon that, can, that could end our very existence as human beings. But it ushered in, in many ways, at least the long-term ramifications, you can make the argument, that, that, that it made the world more peaceful. What was it called? Assured Mutual Destruction? Yeah. When we were kids, I remember yeah. learning about that. Yeah. Do you know, uh, what, are your news, what are your news go-tos in the morning when you wake up? Uh, you know, lately like, I've been well, reading break me, books. Ra- break, but, uh, break me into like, what's, what's your like morning NPR. look like? I like NPR. Yeah? I like the Wall Street Journal. I still read the New York Times even though they drive me up a fucking wall. Yeah? Um, and I try to get my news from a lot of different sources. Um, so I guess that – so when I'm, when I'm traveling, I'll pick up The Economist, Time Magazine, sometimes Newsweek, mainstream media. But yeah. you have to take all of it with a grain of salt. And you have to read both sides of the political spectrum. See, I have such little attention that I read the one side and I go, that's my opinion. And then, and then it's I, okay. And then I, <laughs> it's okay. The, the problem is that, you know, so let's take Bush's, um, the, the, the tax policy, the, the institute on uh, tax policy, what's it called? Um, let, me, let me find it for you. But, but either way, the, uh, you, you would think that they are a bipartisan um, like uh, sort of so so the headlines read that Trump's tax plan is good for the wealthy. Yeah. The problem is that the people saying that the Institute for Tax Policy, I'll find it in a second, but that that that, that is a that is a not a bipartisan group. That is not a neutral group. Yeah. That is a left-leaning uh essentially think tank along with the Brookings Institute. They're more left-leaning. They're not right-leaning. So they tend to have a point of view that taxing, cutting taxes is not good. Yeah. It's just a philosophy. I don't know if they're right or wrong. That's a long debate. But you, you are not getting a – you're not getting – but you can be fooled in thinking that, well, it looks like the, tal- the, the, the tax policy center. It's, it's basically you – know, it, it's, it's, it's a lot of people on the right, like the Wall Street Journal – ran an article saying that it's basically mainstream media has cra- uh, it created a citadel of left-wing propaganda. Yeah. And, and so you have to know that when you're reading that. So when you he- read the headlines that taxes, that, the, that Trump's proposed tax policy is going to make rich people richer and only good for the 1%, that's not, <laughs> that's not, a, that's not a sort of neutral study. Yeah. That's a skewed point of view 
from a group of people that believe that higher taxes are better than lower taxes. And if you don't know that, and you read that in the New York Times, which is what you did, or in CNN, which are left-leaning publications, you're going to take that as gospel. Yeah. And so you get one side of the of the the point of view. You the get first time side. I saw that happening was with uh, the Trayvon Martin thing, mm-hmm. and I was like, and I was looking, I was getting everything from Facebook, yeah. but all my oh, I, every, I grew up in Florida, so everyone that I was reading was from Florida, mm-hmm. and it was friends that grew up in Florida that are conservative, have guns, <laughs> sure, believe that it's okay. You know, it's the uh, stand your ground law is yeah. so everyone in Florida. All, no, not everyone. I can't say that. But the majority of my friends in Florida are like, no, I have a concealed and carry permit. Yeah, stand your ground. That's Well, so so the problem with the internet is it allows you to create your own echo chamber. And then there's an algorithm that will keep feeding you the information you want to read and hear. Yeah. And it will then feed your your one-sided point of view until pretty soon you think that's the only reality. That's what's happening. That's why the left and the right are on such, they're so diametrically opposed. Yeah. Right? All the Priuses and vegans are on this side, all the hunters and meat eaters are on this side, and the muscle cars are on this side. Um, And there are a thousand examples of that. I remember at that time I was looking for Nike SBs. They're like a tennis shoe. And I'm reading all this stuff about the Trayvon Martin thing, but I'd I'd seen a picture of Trayvon's dad, uh, an interview with his dad, and I didn't see uh, a I, all all I saw was like a dad who lost his son. I couldn't imagine being in his shoes yep, as a parent. Me too. That's all I saw. I didn't see what I guess they wanted me to see was like a version of Kimbo Slice or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I was reading all these things, and then an ad for Nike SBs came up, and I went, "Hey, I wanted Nike. How did they know that? Yeah. And then I went. Oh, these motherfuckers! Yeah, because I'm clicking on stuff. Yep. that's what's coming up in my shit. I was that's like, right. "Fuck!" That's right. That's exactly right. You're you're being sold. Uh, that that that's 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 a classic example of what we have to look forward to. It's only going to get more uh, sort of detailed and better at, at doing that to you. So but, so you after college did you move out to you moved out to L.A. or New York first? New York. I was started an acting. Actor. I did theater. I, started I bet you were doing, great at theater. I loved. I did a lot of it. I worked very hard at acting, and I really? became a good actor. I think. Uh, I don't know if I'm a good actor anymore. I mean, I did the Goldbergs, and I, I have lots of fun. They gave me my own spinoff. Didn't go. But um, yeah, I'm dying to know what happened with that because I. It's I'm, still alive, from what I hear. Really? Yeah. So I don't know. We did a great job, Nia Long and Tim Meadows. It was amazing. I had so Nia Long. Yeah, she's, she's so great. great. I love Nia Long. Yeah. In every way. She's just amazing. Are you at that point in your career where you can disassociate yourself with the, like when the, the I remember seeing that came out big in like, in like Variety or, or mm-hmm. Deadline that, uh, was it Deadline? Uh, Goldberg spinoff, Brian Callen. I remember tweeting it out. Congratulations. I got like 140. Yeah, of course. I, I got like 140 awesome. retweets. Everyone's like, I didn't oh. see that. I would have thanked you. I'm sorry. And no, no. It, you're not as big on Twitter as most guys. No. Because I'd, I'd reached out to you a couple times, been like, Really? Yeah, people would be like, You got to get Callen on. I was like, I love Callen. Brian, anytime. And I would, and it, and there's just certain people that they're. I just never so, saw it. They're so clogged. I gotta, I gotta check my fucking feed. I don't check my Twitter feed enough. I don't, my right now, mine's fucking overloaded, so I can't. I'm not seeing anyone's. Yeah, I gotta. But um, but are you at the place where you can disconnect from the idea that 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 theoretically is the vehicle to a bigger dream? Oh or, no, no, no! I, I've completely disconnected from that. For, First of all, I don't believe so. So so. 
I've been doing this so long. Let's just take me, for example. Okay. So I'm doing 15 episodes at least of the Goldbergs this season, uh, a major TV show. I have a, this hit podcast, and, I, and I, my stand-up is... You know, and a special that's out my right special's now on out all today platforms. Called all, uh, yeah, it's out on now, is this one you shot at the Amazon. Improv? It's coming to Hulu December 3rd. It's on Amazon now. It's on Xbox. It's on uh, iTunes. It's, you know, it's everywhere. But I have a feeling that that is the future of what we're going to do with our specials. I think so. Uh, only it's on because, everything only except be- for Netflix. Um, now, is this the one you shot at the Irvine Improv? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and two you, years ago, by the you way. You paid for it yourself, correct? Yep. And then uh, Comedy Dynamics bought it, and now they're, they're releasing it everywhere, which is exciting. I mean, I, look, I, I'm just glad it's out there. So I didn't mean to interrupt, but you said you're doing 15, you got the special so, coming so, out. So the point is, so, so okay, so I'm, 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 for all intents and purposes, I'm doing pretty well, right? Yeah. Professionally. Um, so in a way, I'm living my goals. Anything after this is gravy, would I like my own TV show that I created? I guess. It's a lot of work. Yeah. I just finished pitching this morning. Um, but the idea that somehow more success or the idea that a TV show and then I'm selling out, you know, I sold out the Helium Comedy Club. So now I guess maybe I'll sell out a theater. As if there's a huge difference. Yeah. As if, I mean, is there more money? I guess. No. But what does that mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, this is where we, you can get a little crazy. So when I shot the, spa, the spinoff, I've been doing this too long. I, I knew that 95% it wasn't going to go. Yeah. So what I do is I go, I'm going to have an amazing week and I'm going to shoot this. And I get a chance to act. I get a chance to work with Neil Long and Tim Meadows and some other great actors. I get a chance to have a blast and be kind of the captain of a ship. Yeah. What an experience. Yeah. And it was an amazing week. And then when they told me it wasn't going, I went, okay, I went and had a, I went and worked out, had a meal and performed in Denver. And I was great. Yeah. And I never thought about it again. I've trained myself to be when I after I shot it, I stopped thinking about it. Okay. I was forgetting about it. So wait, take me back to the very beginning of your career when you'd put your dreams in that bucket and go, "This is it." And, well, with, and, the, and the maturation of that because yeah, I got to a place. I got to a place. I've been, I was younger. I was like, "This is it. This is it. This is it." And then with Travel Channel, I was like, "This is it." And when my deal clo- ended there, and they didn't chose not to renew it. It was the first time, and I was a grown-up, that I was like, oh, wait, like, what is, like, where, what am I doing? Like, what's my thing? You know, like, what's my, what's my next step? What's my, like, I had a lot of eggs in that basket, and I didn't even realize it. And I was like, shit, and, and going back on the road. And I think now I'm at a place where I'm so happy, where I, I'm having a hard time reconnecting with dreams, because I go... I'm really happy with my podcast and my stand-up, and I make more money than I did on Travel Channel. I don't know if I – I can't take a step back and do that kind of television. I, I'm, I'm doing another special in February, but, like, what's my uh, – do I want to be an actor? Am I an actor? Like, yeah, like, like that's, that's kind of how I feel. Like, when I got Mad TV, it was the was biggest – Was that your first big thing? Yes. It was the biggest moment of my life because I realized I, no matter what happened, I was never going to be an amateur. At least I made it on TV. What a Fucking great way to look at that. I, yeah, I, I just thought, my God, at least I, at least somehow I, I took a chance to do be a comic. I tried stand up, and somebody saw me. They got me an audition. I, I, and I, I figured my way through. Yeah. there were eight spots. I got the one spot. Original cast? Yes, I was Who's in the, the original cast? cast. You will say Orlando Jones? No, Orlando oh. Jones, Dave Herman, Artie Lang. 
Deborah Wilson, Nicole Sullivan, and Mary Shear, and then Brian Callen. So there I was, and Phil Lamar. So it was eight of us, and I was I was one of them. I didn't belong there. They were all way more experienced and frankly, what year I think is this? more talented. But nineteen ninety five and okay. ninety six, okay, twenty three years ago. So and you were and you were you were uh, twenty. I was twenty seven. Twenty seven. Something like that. And, and so, full oh of my opinions. God. So. Yeah. And, oh. No Google, no internet, no no email. Uh, you know, answering machines. Answering machine. I had an answering machine. I had my first cell phone. I think in nineteen ninety six, ninety seven. I got my first one in ninety seven. Yeah. So this is back in the day, man. When you you know when when the British were coming. And uh, and you had to wait to see the whites of their fucking eyes. It was a long time ago. And so uh, when I got that job, first of all, I realized after two years that, that acting is a lot of work yeah. and I was not disciplined and that I got fired because I wasn't coming out with characters and deserved to be fired. I go to New York and do Oz on HBO. And, and, I, um, and then, I, you know, I, I'll tell you a secret. I don't like acting. And I, I've never done a job that I couldn't wait for it to be over. And I'm having so much fun on the Goldbergs. Like, I love that show. Yeah. That's the one exception where I'm really – I'm having such a blast. Yeah. But acting, especially one hours, I've done plenty of those. I've done plenty of movies. You've acted acting, more than anyone I know, I think. Probably. Yeah. You know, acting where I'm on a set. Yeah. And I watch Bradley Cooper, who's a wonderful actor, and I love him very much as a person. And I watch him in American Sniper, and I watch him sitting there in that in that sniper bed with the gun and those close ups, and the and and he's sitting there in a car. I know how they shoot that. You better like acting. You better like <laughs> silently acting, because I would lose my fucking mind. But Bradley loves the details. Yeah. Bradley's going to be a great director. I, I just found out he's directing a movie because he loves every detail. He's such an intense guy. He loves, he's visual. He loves symmetry. He, he texture. He's, he's, I don't give two fucks. Yeah. Me and Dove were sitting there with, uh, Dove's a great Gavin actor O'Connor, as well. Great actor. We were sitting there with Gavin O'Connor who was, um, who directed, uh, the accountant, uh, miracle warrior. You yeah. Know, he's a dear friend. And uh, with Ron Eldard, who you don't hear from much, but a great actor, and uh, and another another guy, I think it was Frank Grillo. I can't remember. By the way, they were talking about their favorite fucking lighting guys, the guys that they worked with who were amazing lighting artists. <laughs> yeah. And fucking Dove and I were like, and then we went and saw a screening of the Deer Hunter which is about an hour and a half too fucking long. <laughs> and me and I were like, get me the fuck. I don't give a shit about movie making and the minutiae. <laughs> and thank God there are people that do, but I could give a fuck. And now, how about this, America? I can barely sit through a fucking movie. I don't like my own business. I like stand-up, though. I love stand-up. I like podcasting, and I like boxing, and I like playing tennis. And I like boxing as long as I'm not fighting a guy who's better than me who's punching me in the face. I uh, I said to uh, I said to my my buddy, um, I have a deal to do a sitcom, and I, this is gonna sound so silly, but like it it was it's the deal was made the deal was made like a year and a half ago. And my, it's my buddy's company. He's just happens to have gotten a lot of success, and uh, 
he was like, I don't know, I see a single camera, and I was like, I have no, I really don't like single camera. I really genuinely don't like single. Like, it doesn't have the payoff for me. I did a sitcom four camera, and I really loved it. I loved the idea of, of you go in, you got a dressing room, craft services, you fuck around with everyone, hair and makeup, costumes. Hey, you guys ready to do this? Let's do it. One you, take. You and I are probably the kind of guys that where the acting gets in the way. Yeah. Like Paul Giamatti said that. He had been nominated for a Golden Globe. I want you to finish the story, but I'll congratulate him. He goes, yeah, you know, I was, I was on set. You know, everybody's on character. You know, you guys are fun. You're all comedians. We're doing Hangover 2. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys ever heard of that movie, Hangover 2. But the point is, that there we are. And uh, he was just like, the acting gets in the way. I like hanging out. We all do. Yeah. I like, I like having a nuclear family that I can go see every day. Like, and I, yes. I said to my buddy the other day... Um, it, I, I'm getting ready to start this fucking Sober October thing, and I, mm. I haven't seen him in a while. He's out here. He's producing a big show, and uh, we're having vodka sodas watching the Bucks games at, at 10 in the morning, and he's like, uh, but we grew up in Florida. That's how we grew up. You know, yeah. it's a little different, and so he goes, uh, he goes, so what's going on with this project? Like, what? I, you feel, I feel like you're dragging your feet, and I go, I don't want to do it. He's like, what? I go, I don't know if I want to be an actor, man. And, he's, and by the way, this is a this is a a gift, a gift. He's willing to, he is going to deficit fund a TV show for me. I go, I don't know. I don't want to waste your time. And he goes, what do you want to do? I go, man, can I be dead honest with you? I go, I really want to do a four camera sitcom. Either that or I want to do something like, I want to do something really big, like like something almost like monumental. I really love these challenges that Tom and Ari and Joe, and well, I love these challenges. They're fun as fuck. They get me focused yeah. and I really have fun. I enjoy the texting. I love the camaraderie, yeah. the ball breaking. I love all of it. And they're it's very, fun. very, that's very, uh, sort of lucid of you that's that's a very you know th- that's really cool that you have that you're beginning to isolate what you really like yeah which is co- friendship camaraderie yeah. community and that's i said i go i could do a four camera sitcom that shoots on cbs radford and i could i could i'd buy a motorcycle and i'd drive there every morning and i'd i'd and i'd love to know everyone the way i did by my first tv show i'd love to know everyone i'd love to have everyone go out for drinks after rap parties i want to do rap parties i want to and i want to i want to work and i want to write i want to be creative and i want to come up with scripts but i go i don't know if i want to go out for like a month and shoot a pilot or like two weeks and shoot a pilot in in uh, in India, like like an act. I don't know if I want to do that. And and so he was like, he lit up. He was like, good. He was like, let's. And the show he's doing at CBS Radford is four cameras. And he was like, I'm I'm working on that right now. All he's done is single camera. He goes, it's so much fucking fun. And he was like, it's let's do it. Blast. He goes, let's do it. Let's let's do what you want to do on this side, and then let's do that. Let's put that in the back burner. Let's do that. And he's like, dude, I got nothing but time. We got nothing but. I used I was to like, do. I've done when I did Frasier. I, I used to do. You did Frasier? Yep. I used to do episodes of uh, How I Met Your Mother, and I remember those those feelings of just like I was like, God damn, how much fun! You make a fortune. You show up at ten. You read. You block a little. You go yeah. home. You fuck and, around. And all you do is fuck around and laugh. You get it into a well-oiled machine oh. where all you're doing, like season three, is showing up. What's up, Bill? Hey, I saw you as a kid at softball practice. Oh. By the way, that's what I have on the Goldbergs. And uh, that's single why. camera. Yeah. But God damn it, I love everybody there. I love the crew. I love the... I have so much fun with the producers. Lou Schneider. Like Adam Goldberg. I'm always... You know, Adam's heavy. And he's talking... You know, he's, he's, and I'm always walking up to him going, Adam, we're going to get you moving around a little bit. 
I want you. I want you get. You know, we're gonna have a slow carb breakfast. You show up at my house five in the morning. Do some deadlift. Do some yoga. I fuck with him. It's always a laugh. Yeah. Lou Schneider, who's just a fucking amazing guy, worked on everybody loves Raymond and everything else. I'll come up to Lou and give him street fighting techniques like pointers. That's the whole point. Yeah. Like in between, that's I'm like, Lou, don't be afraid to use your elbows when you're close in. You want to bring your elbow down. A lot of guys bring it up. I bring it down. He's like, no, no, no I got it. Yeah, yeah, down. He's writing. He's writing You'd notes. You'd be the funnest he's guy to have notes. on it's set. Just, that's all I like to do. Is fuck around. Around. I want to be a silly goose. Yeah, me too. I, that's all I. Well, I, when I go hunting with Rogan, I don't care about hunting. I, my mission is to make him laugh. All yeah. I do is fuck with him. All yeah. I do is crack him up. Yeah. Hey, oh, by the way, he doesn't have me on uh, hunt anymore. You know what? Because he's he's into bow hunting. <laughs> Fucking bullshit, <laughs> dude. Uh, yeah, I I. It's one of the reasons I like doing this podcast is that when I go there, it's fun. I, we're not talking about he's anything. He's so serious all the time. He's a, well, he's an intense guy. Like he, t- we were talking he's not about silly enough. He's fucking. I never get to hang out with him. Uh, he, he, we, um, we were texting about going to his hot yoga where he goes, yeah. and uh, me and me and Tom and him, because Tom and I are like we'll just drive out, and he was like okay, and then you could tell I'm sh- I'm certain he put his phone down. And then went all right. Hey, just so you guys know, there's no fucking around here. Yeah, <laughs> like, is- of course he is. <laughs> like he even said to me, he goes, well, before yoga, my heart's beating. I, I'm nervous. I'm like, You're, you, you had to be competitive about fucking yoga too? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? He would about? have hated doing it with me and Tom. Of course. I, and me, I'd be a fucking complete jackass. I don't oh. give a shit. Yeah. How about this? I don't care if I finish the class. How's that sound? He was like, he was like, you can't leave the class once you're in, you're in. And I was like, I go, hey Tom, how about we do a non Scientology yoga first? <laughs> no shit. But he's but he's intense that way. He's, he's so just, intense. He's so intense. Yeah. Me and me and Shab are always like, uh, I think Joe's Joe might be in a bad mood. It's like the abusive dad. <laughs> he's uh, oh, when God. we did the when we did the uh, you want to talk about uh, the fucking anxiety. So we do the challenge. Me, Ari, and Tom texting with each other, and we're like, and Ari was like, I think it. Ari was like, I think it was unfair for us to say we're taking away the one thing you love, and then none of us really drink that much, but we get to keep smoking weed. He was like, we should take away weed. It should be a challenge for all of us. And so I was like, I go great. I don't really smoke weed, so I go. I mean, I do, but not. Rogan would never enough. agree to that. So I write a. Uh, uh, I shoot a video for it of me jogging through the woods, and I put out the parameters, and then I send it. To, with all our names in it, in the title cards or whatever. I send it out to everyone. I go, hey, Joe, I just want you to read this before I send it. No response. So I'm like, I text Tom and Ari independently. I go, hey, um, will you guys reply just so that in case it didn't go out? And they're like, no, we got it. I don't think Joe's going to be able to do no weed. So then Ari goes, that's okay. I'm forcing him into it. And we're like, I don't know if that's a good idea, Ari. And so Ari makes a poster that, of the, us as the usual suspects, and he's like, no booze, no weed. The second it goes up on social media, Joe's like, hey, I didn't agree to no weed. And then Ari – I saw it. And yeah, and then Ari texts us independently. He goes, hey. He's like, we're going to shame him until – we're going to make him submit. We're going to put him in a corner. So I need you guys to have great crafted – uh, replies on my Instagram post before I post it, and then I'm because I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna call Joe out, but you guys need to be the first comment so everyone sees that. So he's like, okay. So he's like, and Tom and I are like, are you sure this is a good idea? I don't know if I want to put Rogan in a corner. I don't know if that's a good idea to have his back to a wall. Yeah, no. And, it's, and, it's, and Ari's like, don't worry, we're gonna be fine, guys. We're all friends. Remember, we're all friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah. And so then Ari's like, send me your te- your responses so we can punch them up. So we all are sending it, and we're all punching up each other's responses. And uh, and we come up collectively with the, with the phrase "Pray for Joe," and man, once that went out, 
I think Joe really loved it. I think it made him laugh hysterically. Yeah, 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 it and it was, but it was those, so those, those cartoons people made, unbelievable. Dude, it was fucking nerve wracking that once we posted it to go, fuck, did we just lose a friend? Like, and he was like, he was like, you know, fuck these guys. He's like, you know what? And he said it to Norton. He's like, people think it's a real feud. He's like, I love these guys. They're my friends. Yeah. But there was a second where once we all posted, we're like, hold for it, hold for it, hold for it. And then Joe's like, you motherfuckers. <laughs> well, you guys have such a following that they're like the group of you. Yeah. It's- I mean, that's, a, that's, that's probably how many millions? Two million? Three million? Oh, I don't know about that. A uh, lot. Worldwide? I don't know. I'll give you three mil. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what's overwhelming, and I know you have to see this. Is like when I was in Australia, like dudes had written signs. I'd said on Rogan, I was I could do a marathon, and dudes were made signs like I I challenge you in a marathon. I'll challenge you to a marathon. Good luck in October, Bert. You can do it. Like it's such a bizarre dude. I talk about I talk about my favorite restaurant in Venice called Via Veneto. Yeah, I think I've seen you post on it. Yeah, I just love that restaurant, and the owner's a friend of mine, and it's it's expensive, but it's the best food ever I've ever had. I've eaten everywhere in the world, and objectively, best food I've ever had. But uh, last night I was there, and these giant dudes, one guy was huge, and I go, is he a pro baseball player? I said one of the guys. He goes, no, we're from Norway, and he loves your podcast. We're here because of your podcast. Are you serious? And they were there because of my pod- the podcast and because I talk about Via Veneto. And that's why these people from fucking Norway. Then I had a Swedish guy at the comedy store. No, a Swedish guy at a at a uh, bar called uh, the other room in Venice come up and say, "Are you Brian Callen?" I say, "I goes, I have you on my screensaver." Now th- this is what's happening with stand up and with podcasting. You're becoming global, globally known. It's fascinating. You guys, Fighter and the Kid, was a um, was a forerunner. In, in podcasting because at, at that time we were all starting I think you had the you had the 10 minute podcast mm-hmm. which was I mean was probably one of the biggest podcasts yeah it was, it was while good. you guys were doing it yeah. and uh, and then you when you guys did Fighter and the Kid that was such an anomaly it was so different than what we were all doing we were all and me included I'm still doing some bastard version of Marin and Rogan like yeah. a like a, just an interview show but more of a hang I think when I was drinking it was like I'd be dead serious one of my I wanted to have you on before this month, because I wanted to get really expensive wines and just and, and, and do a like a night one, Uber you out here yeah. and do a night expensive wine one. Yeah. And I and I'd wanted to do that so bad, but but I this is in my opinion, I'd much rather this than like than nothing. Like this is God, great. I love I love uh, I love good wine. Well, I know that you're uh, like that you really do know good wines. Yeah. Um. But yeah. but but Fighter and the Kid was the first one where it was like, oh. Uh, fighters have personalities too, and if you like, and I, I think there's been a lot of spinoffs of that version mm-hmm. of like a comic and a fighter. Well, look at USC un, Unfiltered. I mean, that with Jim Norton and uh, Matt Sarah and Matt Sarah, and it's a good podcast. Uh, yeah, Luis J Gomez and I'm Michael Bisping. I'm not saying Bisbee. it's the only the, the idea, but I mean, they, I think they saw that it worked in this context. So let's try it. Let's let's you know why not try? Well, it's it, the, it's and, part of what we all talk about on podcasts is the world's fastest growing sport is yeah. MMA. Yeah, and. Uh, and I think comedy was such a natural fit for podcasting that it's like, I don't even, I look at those. It changed my life. It changed my financial life. It changed my, my stand-up life. You know, I really? sell tickets off the podcast. Yeah. Like, 
And I, and I and it changed my life, made me better in, in terms of when I say something, people hold me to it. Like if I if I if I have a point of view, you know, or, or you you get a read of the world. I mean, fucking Shahab after this terrible terrible situation in Las Vegas, you know, I was listening to that that machine gun tragedy tragedy yeah. tragedy 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 tragedy. I mean, just killing people I and mean, fifty eight fucking fifty nine people, five hundred people wounded. It's just a sickening sound that 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 machine gun by some crazy person. But Brendan said, "Can we just admit we got a problem with guns?" And I knew that was going to set off a firestorm. And yeah. this morning, you know, fuck really? you, yeah, because and that was when you guys released yesterday. You get a feel for the land. You get a feel for. I wasn't going to have an argument. I own guns, and you know, look. You told me what a pinch zone is. A what? A pinch a, zone? What is it called? A pinch point. Parts remember. in their houses. Parts in their house where I'm, I'm probably saying the wrong thing. Oh. Where. Uh, the the culprit has to come through. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Set things up. Yeah, come on, man, come on. But yeah, but so 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 that that's that's um you you realize you get a temperature of the land when yeah. when you when you get that you realize how contentious and emotional that that one issue on guns is. And I wouldn't get that. I wouldn't. My my finger wouldn't be, you know, in 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 that pot. I wouldn't be able to gauge that temperature to the degree that I can without a podcast. Yeah, I think I've said some stuff. I it's amazing you do say stuff, and then you are held accountable for what you say, and you don't even realize what you say because you're high or you're drunk, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Fuck, man, I better, I better clarify." Yeah, I, I've done that a lot because I speak out of my ass. I speak in hyperbole. My therapist says do. I I like to shave the the hard edges off the truth. Yeah. I like to t- I like to speak in terms of like this was the greatest thing ever like yeah. this is the this is the best meal you'll ever have in your I life. I like that though because you yeah. feel it in the moment, right? Yeah. I, like you know, with girls, like you know, when I would when the the the, the guy Brian Callen that Steve Byrne and those guys witnessed, I you know the, oh well, you you know you you pick up these well you know I love them I love them in that moment uh, they were the yeah. greatest most beautiful thing in the world at that moment I meant it. When you're that way with a woman or anybody, they're going to like you back. Yeah. Right? I mean, so there's something really charming about a human being who's enthusiastic about life. Yeah. About food, about women, about their friends, about whatever's going on here. You have that. I, so I, have I like that you take the hard edges off the truth. I don't like the – what do you mean the truth anyway? Yeah, like- the, the truth is a very – there are a lot – there are plural truths. You know, you know what I mean by that? No. Well, if a, I mean, there are lots of different ways to define truth. So there's a mathematical truth. Yeah. There is a biological truth. You have a genome. There's a number. I could probably, with a great deal of certainty, if I had a team of scientists, uh, predict what your chances of um, getting a certain disease are, or certainly how you're going to react to certain medicines um, uh, and all kinds of things. I could probably tell whether or not your ring finger is longer than your middle finger. They're just different markers that yeah. we know now. So there are biological truths. There are mathematical truths. The math that goes into my GPS is very exact, and we know it's a truth. There is the fact that atoms have energy. We know that because when we split them, fucking a huge, you know, 100,000 people, God rest their souls, die in a flash in Hiroshima or whatever. So... Then there are other truths, and this is something I talked about on my podcast yesterday, but there are truths that are myths. They're myths. They're, they're, they're allegories. They're metaphors. So let me give you one. Um, 
that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and endowed with certain unalienable rights under their creator, which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the Declaration of Independence. Biologically, we don't have a creator. We're not created with any rights at all. Yeah. And all men are not created equal biologically. There's nothing true about that statement from a measurable, mathematical, biological statement. You and I are not equal. We're very different. Yeah. You have a genetic makeup that allows you to be more resistant to certain diseases or less resistant, depending. It's, 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 it all depends yeah. how you look at it. Uh, I'm, I'm quoting Sapiens, by the way. In this book, I, I've, I've read. Now I've got to fucking read Sapiens. Yeah. But, but, but so that, that is not, there's nothing true about that statement. But let me tell you, it's a religion. That is my religion. That, that statement is my religion. That statement is something that, in my opinion, solved the political problem. It is, it is the foundation, the scaffolding, or the beginnings of the scaffolding for the greatest political system known to man. It gave us our longest standing democracy. The Greeks couldn't do it. No one else could. It's better than monarchy. It's better than oligarchy. It's better than fascism. It's better than communism. It's better than any other system that's ever come, across, come, come along. And I would make that argument. And I was so much so that I would fight and die for those principles. Yeah. And I think a lot of men and women have and continue to. That is what this country is founded on. That's why this country is great. And you never hear anybody on the left or the right or the middle argue against that. That truth, even yeah. though it's not true, even though it's an agreed upon myth, it's a story we're telling ourselves that all men are created equal, that we're endowed with certain unalienable. We're not created. We evolved. There is no creator. Yeah. I mean, according to biology, can you prove there's a creator? Can you? Yeah. No. But we all, even non-Christians, even non-religious people, even atheists agree to that particular statement and that's a religious statement yeah our judicial system is founded on the idea that we're all of the same moral worth that if i kill somebody who's severely handicapped even though they're a drain on the system even though they contribute not nearly as much as i do even though they can't run as fast even though they can't think as well if i kill that person if i kill a wretch on the street who's sleeping in a sleeping bag and is drunk all the time i'll do the same amount of time in jail as if i kill bill gates now, maybe not, but at least theoretically, our judicial system is predicated on that principle. Yeah. That is why that's a Christian idea. All men are created equal by their creator. There's one father, and we're all brothers and sisters. That's what monotheism gives us. That is a fabrication. That is, we have come up with that. Because there are plenty of beliefs, systems of belief that, that would disagree with that. Hinduism, see the over one billion people in India that would that would disagree with that, at least their mythology would. Do you understand? Yeah. Buddhism wouldn't say that either. They have their own ethical codes and things. But what I'm trying to say is that it's fascinating to me that that, that myth that we have embraced has a truth to it. And, and the truth, even though I can't prove it biologically or mathematically, the truth is it gives, us, it gives me the most useful system I can think of in terms of how it's equitable, in terms of how it helps human beings realize their potential, in terms of prosperity, yeah. standard of living, and all that stuff. Now, how, how, how do, how do you – Does that make sense? How do you, yeah, it, does, it makes total sense. 
<coughs> halfway through, I was like, uh, I could tell. I, no, halfway through, I was like, I was like, I don't know how I'd translate this information that I had if I were you to my children in life lessons. Like, how do you like? What was the like? You have so many, so many really insightful, well thought out, well, uh, well worded and, and well principled ideas, and like the way like. I, and I've listened to you a great deal, like, uh, and I have, and so. I know we're scratching the surface, but when when you're like, I, I, halfway through, I was like, I, well, I would love to hear like a good parenting moment he's had where you were like, oh, I really hit it out of the park that time. I don't, I'm not, I don't have those because they're they're young. So what I try to do with my children is I do a couple of things. One is, um, all I do is when my child plays tennis, like yesterday, they were both playing so well. We're going to play tennis after this. I, I love it. And so what I do is I I admire them. Like I'll come home and I'll tell I'll tell. My wife, I'll be like, God, you should see Stella hit the ball. I, I, if she gets better than me, I'm going to freak out. Like, I, it's it's bothering me that she's that good, and she just doesn't react to her failures. She'll hit a ball in the net. She doesn't even react. She just like keeps playing. Like it's just something that happened, and she treats everything like she's she's totally in control of her emotions. It's crazy. You realize could, you realize there are probably. I'm gonna knowing my numbers. There's a hundred thousand dads that just heard that. They're like, "That's a good way to look." Good. That's because what I'm doing is creating mythology around my daughter. Yeah. With my son, who's a dreamer, and totally distracted. He's like me. I don't say you need to concentrate. What I say is, I go, "I love your imagination." You are in your own world. You're going to be a comedian or a writer or something. I don't know what's going to go, but you're going to make your living off your imagination. You're in your own world, and I love watching you just come up with ideas and I love watching how you're just so able to entertain just yourself. Yeah. Again, I'm building a mythology around him. I'm building a strength around him. I'm honoring what he is anyway. I don't like saying, you need to focus. You need, I was taught that way. Yep. People didn't know any better. You got to focus. You got to concentrate. You're dreaming. You're daydreaming. You're, you're, your grades suck. No. no. You have a lot of potential. You need to apply it. No, like, no, no. I, am I don't know what the fuck that in. means. I yeah. need to apply it. Fuck off. No, I go, man, you have a great imagination. And the other day, my son was writing. He doesn't know how to write. He's writing. And my wife goes, what are you doing? He goes, I'm going to be a famous author someday. Shh. <laughs> and he's fake writing. He's scribbling. This is how it begins. Yeah. You know, uh, this, the 21st century economy is going to, this is Alvin Toffler. I'm, I'm a futurist, but you're going to, to, to thrive in the 21st century economy, you better learn, unlearn, and relearn. You better be an imagination machine. You need to think outside the box. You need to be um, uh, a lateral thinker because you're going to be in trouble otherwise. Think about how that is applied to your career. Think about the, because I know that I've, I started stand up in 98, I think, 98 or 99, uh, 20, almost 19 years ago, I started. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my 26th birthday, whatever that was. And when when I started, it I, I had no concept that you could do stand up outside of New York. I really thought you're a stand up in New York. Um, maybe you get like a, in a on a sitcom, or you get a, on like the Daily Show or something like that. Like I didn't. I, I remember Dimitri Martin going, "No, man, we got to get we got to get uh, commercial deals." Judah just got uh, two hundred thousand dollars for a Snickers commercial for the Super Bowl, and I was like, "Whoa!" I just didn't know. And then when I got my first development deal, I went. Oh, okay. This is how it goes. I was just telling someone this t- today or yesterday. I was like, cool. They were like, oh, they said, why did you do Hurt Burton? I was like, that's what you did. You just, I wanted to be famous. I wanted money. 
And so I was, it was a TV show. That's what I do. And I did TV show, TV show. Nowadays, if you go, hey, you want to be a comic? You should say to that person, do you also want to be a producer and a, and a marketer and, um, and a writer and an actor and a host? And do you want to do everything? Because that's what it's going to be. It's everything. But it wasn't that way when we started. It was like, do you want to be an actor? Do you, can you do improv? Do you want to be a comic? That's your swing zone. Mm-hmm. And now it's like you better learn, unlearn, and relearn yeah. everything. That's a really well. Look at how we do stand up. You shoot a special and you start from scratch, and and you don't want to you don't want to you don't want to um, repeat yourself. It's the biggest fear, right? Yeah. Even even being preoccupied with the same questions has to change, right? I said I who said, I was a bird that said oh no stand up because. I was listening to an old podcast. This is before I think everyone started the paradigm of uh, of doing specials every year. And I don't was, do that. I think that's ridiculous. He was like, he I was don't like, believe in that. He was like, I, I, I'm, I've written all the jokes. I've written all the jokes. What are, there's, am I have a new abortion joke? Am I have a new 9-11 joke? A new cancer joke? I've written all the jokes. Yeah. Well, okay, so that's why, you know, first of all, a special comes the way you, you, you know, a plant grows as fast as a plant grows sunlight, water, and it grows at its own pace. This, this idea that I'm going to do a new special every year, this ego, this, whatever that is, that competitive idea. I, I cringe whenever I see people being competitive with standup. I just hate it. I, I, it's too personal. I don't care. And certainly one special year I think is ridiculous. People always try to, I mean, I write pretty fast and I don't, I I write really fast. And I'll tell you right now, there's, I mean, I write faster. I would say I definitely turn over material quicker in that even if I'm not doing specials, I just lose material because I'm going to get bored of it. Yeah. Me maybe, too. That's, maybe that means I'm just a weak writer. No, <laughs> no. You get bored of it. But also I think like the, the answer to Stan Hope, who I love, is uh, – and I wish I knew him. But Are you is, serious? You is, don't know him? I don't know him, but I'm, I just think he's awesome. But um, – but but th- th- I would say that that's why reading is so important. That's why expanding your horizons are so important. Because at fifty years old, I'm always ha- I have a conversation with Thaddeus Russell, and he changes my goddamn mind, or he s- gets me to rethink my religion, which is you know liberalism and individual rights and libertarianism, and you know I'm full of talk. But when a guy like Thaddeus Russell has done a lot of thinking himself holds my feet to the fire, I realize that in some ways I'm living in a paper house. Yeah. That he's bulldozed my fucking walls down. And I got to reassess. I, I love these ideas. I love the idea that cognitive dissonance. What's I love that dissonance? human beings can hold two contradiction, t- contradictory notions in their head at the same time. You believe in liberty, but you also believe in equality. Well, those two things don't jive, man. Because yeah. if you believe in equality, then liberty has got to be curtailed. Because people that are better have to be held down so that people who are not as good can be, you know. Yeah. You know, I mean, so it doesn't jive. But, but, but since you believe in both, you've got to figure out a way to reconcile the two. And when you're when you're contradictory, and when a country or a culture has to deal with that cognitive dissonance, the struggle creates something better. Kind of like two notes, uh, or or for that matter, um, mercy and justice can be two contradictory judgments. I'm stealing now from Sam Harris and his discussion on illegal immigration. Uh, mercy for those, yeah, podcast. mercy for those that come over the border but but justice for the people that are already here and the fact that there aren't enough resources well how do you how do you weigh the two well the the answer and the the gold comes in that in that struggle in the middle somewhere 
how how were the how how our country became a modern country because we 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 had the fact that all men are created equal but we had slavery that that peculiar institution how the fuck do you make sense of that yeah. you can't it forces you to contend with the fact that you're guilty of something that you're you're taking human beings and okay you can count them as one third or two thirds or three thirds or two thirds of a human being or you can you can you know there's all kinds of ways you can justify your inhumane treatment of a human being. You can come up with biology that proves that blacks are inferior to whites, but you know it's all a lie. What was that? What was that? What is that? That theory? It's not. Called, it's not eugenics. 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 Yeah. yeah. Well, eugenics a little bit. What's eugenics th- is the notion that you can. You can make a better person with crossbreeding. That oh, really? that there are people that are biologically superior, and so we should take those people that are biologically superior and make them better. The theory um, was by, that, by breeding them genetically with you know just the way you would do with dogs. The the theory was I think that I heard of eugenics, but I think there was a book that it was describing explaining why the black athlete was superior was because of eugenics. Eugenics actually started with. Um, it was concerned with the white population first. Really? Yeah. And the Nazis took it oh, from, that's the, where I heard from it, the American school of thought. And if you, if you look at Nazi books, books on biology from the thirties in Germany and, uh, they, they, they quote Mein Kampf, you know, you know, Hitler's manifesto. Mein Kampf means my fight that he wrote after he was arrested in jail. And, you know, he, he's, he draws on Darwinian principles of survival of the fittest. And the Nazi school of thought and biology was that, you know, uh, the best things come from struggle and those that survive that struggle are genetically the most fit. Yeah. And so then they'll cite lots of examples in history, and they certainly were excellent breeders of dogs and horses. They were very good at, at, at mining and, and forging the hardest steel. You know, the Nazis were incredibly efficient, yeah. but godless. And when you're efficient and godless, and when your god is the great god of rationality... And you leave no room for uh, myths like we're all created equal, like we're all of the same moral worth, like we all come from the same father. Myths that are not rational. What you'll get is a leader who says, look, man, we got to get rid of these Jews and these gypsies and these retards because they're draining the system and we're going to kill six or ten million people today for the betterment of 50 million and 100 million later on and for the betterment of the Reich that will stand for a thousand years you can justify even the murder of children that way yeah the Nazis did it the communists did it because they were run by engineers and scientists and not artists and not romantics. There's room for everyone. But when you live in just a Darwinian world, which is that we are smart monkeys only, and you know you're, you pray to the god of rationality and that which you can measure, and everything is physics and everything is science, you better be fucking careful. Because you're suggesting then that there aren't other truths, that there aren't, that there is no value really to be gleaned from great literature, like so, like Dostoevsky and Tolstoy, yeah, 
and and that that the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, another work of fiction, by the way, which has given us again the longest standing democracy known to man, that that and 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 this artistic fucking Renaissance that we enjoy, that those things are not true, that they aren't rational, so they don't have really a place. That's what happens. I'm fucking really smart. Did you guys write that shit down? Did you write it down? Did how do, you? How do you take these these things that you accrue from books and the news and like all the things that you think? Like, how do you take them and then plug them into your act? I let them fuel my. I had. To, I had. There was a point where I had to stop listening to you yeah. because I think you said something about dolphins one time, and uh, and I was like, and I was like, oh, and I had my. I'm on a plane, and uh, I don't know what you said. I, all I know is I was listening. You were talking about animals or something, but I I heard dolphins, and I went, "Yeah, no one ever asked a dolphin to grow up." <laughs> like like no one like my, my wife. We were in Hawaii. They, she was like, "We were we swam with dolphins." I have a different joke about that, but we have some dolphins. And then at the dinner that night, she was like, um, "Don't you just love dolphins? It's like they're pure. They're just enjoyment." And I was like, "That's me. I'm drunk, by the way." I'm like, "That's me." And I no, how come I don't get a fucking applaud when I jump and do a flip? Like yeah. I'm that's and. And then I was like, I got to go back and re-listen to that podcast because is that Brian Callen's thought or is that my thought? Mm. Like, I know that was my thought in the thing, but is that something I accrued from? I don't know if you were talking about dolphins or you were talking about animals Mm -hmm. and about, I think you were talking about the idea that we have domain over horses. It blew me away. Well, do you know, well, I mean, I would say that the the, the fundamental difference between, do you know what the fundamental difference between dolphins and us is, right? Okay, this must have been what you said. What was it? What is there's it? There's one word. I mean, there's one word that separates us from whales and dolphins. Whales have bigger brains than we do. Yeah. An intricate language, and dolphins are certainly very smart. And but what is the difference? What do you think the difference, the fundamental difference is? Well, Consciousness, not, I suppose. But besides that, it's not belly buttons. Uh, I think we both have. It's belly It's definitely buttons. not belly buttons, but but it is it is potential. The human animal has unlimited potential. The human animal has the ability to not only I see. Mean, okay, this is this is exactly what fucking happened. Yeah, <laughs> I'm guarantee you. Because now that you're saying this, I go, I, you guys are talking about. I think domain over horses, and then you talk about dolphins, and then I go, yeah, the fucking I'm, I'm a dolphin. I'm a fucking dolphin. Yeah, like everyone. And then you go, the diff- main difference is potential, and I go, I'm a dolphin with potential. I'm a <laughs> dolphin. Like imagine how great a dolphin would be if he like hopped up and he's like, I got a good idea. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and that and so I literally. I shelved it. I was like, don't – I was like, I, I think you're taking right from you're, – you're taking concepts that you're hearing your friends talk about that are their ideas. And that, that's – you're learning. But that's okay because I do that too. All I do is that. I've just been – I've basically been parroting Yuval Harari's book because that's what I'm reading currently. Yeah, but it's – but in my head I go, is the onus on me to call you and go, hey, man, that thing you talked about with dolphins, I see a bit there. No, just take it. I, Take I it because it's, it's coloring who you are. And, and by the way, I applaud you because what you're actually doing is expanding your horizon. You're exposing yourself to the best that's been thought and said. Dude, that's what I do. 
So, so is like because I stopped listening. I had to really legit stop listening to Bill Burr's Monday podcast because he's riffing bits. Yeah, and I was like, I, I, I can't. So good, and it's so good. It's so fucking. And you hear good. him say things, and then you go, and it's this is what, by the way, for anyone listening that is a comedy fan, this is what a thief does: is they sit back in the back of the room and hear a guy do a, a young comic do a bit that they haven't figured out. Yeah. that we as an older comic can figure out. And you go, oh, I got that, yeah. and then they do it, not allowing that person. That's the reason you sometimes you ever hear someone on radio, you do radio with another comic and he starts a premise and then you throw the punchline he's like yeah dickhead that's where i was getting yeah like i was going there asshole yeah and you're like Ooh. yeah but yeah so but yeah i heard that i think i heard that and we i know for a fact you had said in that moment can you believe we have domain over horses yeah and i was i said brian i must have said that because i rode horses a lot in my travel channel shows and i got bucked off a horse and I lost the domain over a horse. Mm. And I kept saying that. I, I, oh, just parroting you going. And we get up there and I go, can you believe we have domain over them? Can you believe that word, domain over them? Yeah, yeah. Apex yeah. predator. These are like things yeah. that I heard you say. And I would be like, can you believe this? But that one about dolphins stuck in my head because you said the one word is difference is potential. And I literally was like, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm a dolphin with potential. And, and I... I ended up arguing with my wife at dinner about but that's, it. But, but, but let me stop you because that is an innovative way to do it, Bert. So innovation is what? Like I'm gonna, my buddy Hunter and I were talking about this. A Reese's peanut butter cup is you like peanut butter, I like chocolate. Let's put them together. That is what we do yeah. with our what, – what Silicon Valley does. That is what um, uh, a lot of books are about. That is what the – that is literally the story of philosophy. I mean, do you think that Nietzsche, Nietzsche, who was a groundbreaking philosopher, was heavily influenced by Schopenhauer, heavily influenced by Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, knew heavily influenced by Immanuel Kant and some of the great, and probably Hegel, and they were all his contemporaries, Freud for sure. They were reading all these other ideas, and what they did was they had a rebuttal to those ideas. They took pieces of it and added pieces of their own thinking. Okay. Okay? This, is, this really is something that I'm stuck on right now. No one is original. I, no one comes up with, I mean, all, what did Oscar Wilde said, all art is theft? Yeah. I mean, it is. Yeah. Nobody, it's, it, innovation is, 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 is idea sex. This is idea sex. This is what we need more of. You're just, you're just having idea sex. You were inspired by something I said. Then you said, I'm a dolphin. You put it together. I'm an all, a dolphin with ideas. I didn't come up with that. It's a new idea. No, but yeah, but it's, it's it literally, I remember in that moment going, like going, my, I was like, my mind's popping. And I go, I go, yeah, but like, I don't know where the, I, I like, and, and so I had to, I would, I literally, I couldn't listen to you and Joe by yourselves because you guys are both so smart that and so well read and so well informed that you would literally I would it was like vine swinging from idea to idea and I'm I mean like I'm a smart person I'm very smart but I'm not you're very smart I'm not someone that reads I'm not someone that I well just you're have, you're certainly astonished and you're certainly not cynical and you're certainly uh, inspired oh and I, that's, that's a I'm huge definitely part. all those look a burrito is is idea sex a burrito is theft yeah. a burrito has chili peppers from the new world the andean mountains from the peruvian mountains or the aztecs it's got tomatoes which is a new world vegetable it's a nightshade vegetable that only grew in the new world it's got um 
It's got uh, 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 corn that I believe is also from the New World, so it's a corn uh, tortilla. And then you've got, uh, well, they never ate steak in the Andes unless it was a llama steak, but they didn't. So you got meat from the New World, I mean, from, from the Old World. You've got rice from Asia, yeah. China. So it's a fucking mix. It's a bunch of, it's, 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 a, it's a fucking theft roll. Yeah. It's just like, it's a roll of thievery. And it's delicious. And our country, the United States, is essentially an amalgam of different cultures blended into one. Human beings, a great book, The Secret of Our Success by Joseph Henrik. Human beings are smart because we can download culture. Because we steal the best of the culture that's that's there to, that's offered. Yeah. If I put you, you and I are in the Amazon with the Anamamo. We, nothing about our culture that allows us to thrive in Los Angeles 2018. Nothing in our culture helps us down there. Yeah. We die. Can't find food. Can't stay yeah. warm. Can't do anything. Yeah. All right? If you, we, you and I are in the Arctic. Nothing about our culture allows us to sit here in this nice room. Nothing allows us to find a seal, to keep fucking polar bears away, to build an igloo, or None to find, or to are, find are fucking vital. fresh water. Because <laughs> yeah. all that ice is salt water, motherfucker, <laughs> which you never think about in the Arctic. Do you know what a seal smells like? Because I don't, so I don't know how to find their fucking oxygen hole so I can sit over it and stab them in the face when they come up for air. <laughs> yeah. Okay? But what makes us smart and amazing is we're able to download culture that we need. And that's how we progress as human beings. So we're all thieves. So you're just human. And yeah. you're, just, you're describing how a person grows and how a person expands their horizon. So I applaud you. I used, to say, I used to say my daughters, my daughters are useless in the apocalypse. I go, they're only good for target practice. Like that's all <laughs> they're good for because they don't do anything. They, they, there you go. But yeah, Frank Mir, the, the UFC I know Frank, was talking yeah. about that. He was like, "Fuck, we were talking about business." He goes, "I should be teaching my daughter business," and I bought her a book on knots. <laughs> I was like, right. Frank Mir, Frank Mir is my. He's ready. It's it's uh, Brendan's like this. Tate's like this. Frank Mir's like this. I'm not like this. Uh, if you get a text from Tate and you don't reply, and he sends you another one, he sends you a text going, "Yo, I'm getting feelings about this." Reply to my text. Tate Fletcher? Tate Fletcher. Oh, boy. And so I go, I go, I go, I forgot. Like, Brendan did the same thing. He's like, yo, bro, I texted you twice. Text me back. And, like, I go, oh, yeah, Frank. Uh, Frank came over here. We did it. Me, him, and Richard did a podcast. And uh, Frank goes, oh, I know you were a cigar guy. I go, yeah. He goes, we got to have a cigar. I said, whenever. And he goes, I got a thing at 5. I'll be back here at 630. I was like, Okay, I go. I didn't know it was happening that quick. You know, I like I'm so LA. I'm like, yeah, we'll do that one time. Never sure. happens. Sure. He comes over here at six thirty, knocks on the front door. He's like, "You ready for that cigar?" I go, "Fuck yeah!" He's such a beast. Oh yeah, that his lungs. He sucked through a cigar in half the time it took me to smoke it, and then was like, "Well, I might as well light another one." Sucked. I get like, he's he's a man he is a man yeah you're talking about a hall of fame fighter that guy's a fucking man he's fucking. always got four or five guns and three knives on him at all times and i'm not kidding he is a fucking he's man. always packing but weaponry the one thing i respect about all three of them is that they hold you to the same standard my friends in tampa my like that men hold each other to yeah of like and they're not hollywood they're like yo i texted you twice text me back asshole yeah and not call me asshole like threatening, but like ta- I remember. Take I text a- everybody back, no matter what. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I'm really bad at that. Um, I, I I always try to keep that, you know, because I'm, I'm afraid. I'm horrible at that. 
I'm really bad at like. Uh, is your dad still alive? Mm-hmm. Where's he live? Utah. Yeah. Mom's still alive. Mm-hmm. Still married. Yep. Really? Single oh, yeah. kid? Were you single? Kid? Uh, no, I had a sister. Is she, a sister. Is she still alive? Uh huh. What she do? She is. Uh, she lives with her very smart, very wealthy, and retired husband who retired at forty. Whoa! He made some money, and they live in Toluca Lake in a very big house. Really? Yeah. They do what they want. They do what the fuck they want. They have <coughs> a bull mastiff. Oh yeah, that's and right. They have a pit bull. Don't break into that house. It'll be a problem. Can I tell you, Priscilla has only acted the way she did today to two people. As oh, really? long as two people. And I, I literally, when, I, when you came in, I said, where's Priscilla? So I knew it. I knew it. Normally, it's uh, like Big J Okerson came here and she was like, threat. He's a fucking threat and was just growling. And he's like, is your dog okay? And I was like, yeah, she's a... Weird thing with, you know, men, because she does sometimes. Duncan came here, and she didn't want to let him in the door. She was like, nah, I don't trust his energy. Uh, Bill Burr. You and Bill Burr are the only people Priscilla took to immediately. She came out wagging away. behaved the way she does when we show up. Just brought you a present. Yeah. But she came out with Bill, and we were here, and she stood at the door. And so he goes, dude, let your fucking dog in. So I let, the, I let her in. She came and sat on his lap for the podcast, laid across his lap, and just and he just petted her. I mean, only two guys. And I kind of thought, I wonder if she recognizes genuine alpha male in like energy, yeah. energy and goes, oh, I, I respect this. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I'm a good-looking guy, man. I think that's my Tall, view. Tall, powerful. With broad you're a lot taller than I, I – you're always taller than I want to see. What are you, 6'1"? Six, six feet. Probably. No. Yeah, I mean, I'm wearing boots right oh, now. Yeah, it's maybe. not a big heel on them, but yeah. yeah. So what's the rest of your day look like? I got to fuck. And uh, yeah, I fucked, bro. And then uh, I got to go do, I got to drop some stuff off. I got some shit to do, bro. Do you ever, I look at you sometimes and I go, uh, like, this sounds silly, but the older you get in this business, you yeah. start going like, what's my longevity look like? I look at you as like, uh, as like, as like a, a beacon of hope. You know, Rogan as well, but Rogan's on such his own path of like, of like, of literally, he's an icebreaker ship that yes. just goes, I do what I want. I yep. go where I want. Yep. This is my thing. Yep. But you're in my vein of like fun. Mm-hmm. Like no one, I don't think anyone would ever guess you're fucking 50. Ever. I, and I don't think anyone would ever think you and Brendan aren't the exact same age. <laughs> I'm probably a little immature, more immature than he is. But yeah. like, does it? Did, does do you ever think of age at all in this business? Do you no, ever? Not really. Yeah. I mean, I you know, I I uh, I just think about doing the work. Yeah. You know, I don't think there's any. You know, I, I, I the mood is all about serotonin. I don't know. You know, I I, it, I don't I, I try not to worry about those kinds of things. They're too complicated. I try not to take myself too seriously. It's not going to get better from here. I'm fifty. It's only going to get my back is only going to get worse. My face is only going to get more puffy and wrinkly. It doesn't, you know. I'm only going to try to hold on to my hair harder. I'm holding on so. You know hard. what I mean? It doesn't. It's not. This. Come on. The only. Come the on, only. I'm, the only hope I have is that Segura, who's who's probably one of my closest friends in the world, is losing his hair faster than me. And I, there you <laughs> and go. He's, exactly. He's, he's like five years younger than me, and yeah, I love I mean, it. Yeah. There's nothing. You know. Success is all ethereal. Ask a young person who Paul Newman is now. I think I've heard of him. Oh yeah, it just all goes away. So uh, you know, there's no, there's no temper. There's no temp. Everything's temporary. Yeah. So enjoy this. 
and try to be original. Do you think this is the happiest you've been in your career? I do, yeah. Only because I'm older and I have perspective, yeah, sure. When were you the least happy in your career? My 20s. Really? Yeah, but even my 30s when I wasn't working, when I wasn't doing stand-up, when I, you know. I was always a mess. I could never really focus and relax. Finally, I can be in the moment. And uh, maybe because I'm older and I know what's important. Yeah? Yeah. Are you done with it? You know that that expression, happiness is wanting what you have. I read that in a book once. uh, Oh, that's really fucking interesting. And I believe that. Do you think, like, because I I wonder, like, and these are, and we'll wrap this up soon, but these are questions I have that I wonder uh, I do feel like a, a weird connection with your energy. I think you're you're a lot different than me in other ways. I think you're a little more you're a little more know what you want out of life, and I think you're a little more apt to make decisions. And I I'm a little more of a flip flop. I'm, I'm 44. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. But like, do you think you'll buy another house? Do you think you'd ever move out of the house you're in? No. You, you're going to stay there. I mean, you know, I love where I live. And- yeah. My wife could be, I could catch her banging five guys, and I'd be like, we're going to have to work through this because I'm not leaving. <laughs> you know, fucking, you know, at least not while my children are young. Yeah. And do you ever yeah. think about your kids going to college and it just being you and your wife again? Yeah. Does that give you panic? Uh, yeah. Gives <laughs> me panic really bad. Of course it does. <laughs> Gotta talk to a, my wife all the time. You know, I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Probably gives her panic too. I mean, you know. Oh, oh. well, I'll, dude, I'll let you go. This has been, I, Brian. I could literally talk to you for hours. You're Thank one you, of the. Mo- I'm, I'm saying this. You know, it's one of the one of my flaws, but I don't want to change it. <laughs> I I came into stand up as a fan first. I, obviously, <laughs> I think everyone goes. Very few people are like, I could be the best at this in the world. Right. Like I came in going, God, this is fucking awesome, and uh, and I think through my navigations, you're one of the per one of the, one person that has consistently intrigued me and fascinated me and entertained me and i am and god that's such a nice thing to say well it's it says a lot about you that you just can give compliments like that too it's a great quality to be inspired it's know, man you've be, inspired contemporaries you've you know? inspired the living fuck out of me i mean all of you i you know i think i look at brendan's work ethic and the, and the fucking and his insight and his kind of like almost like sh- not shrewdness because he's not fucking anyone over but his his shrewdness Smart of navigating guy. this business yeah. Sigur and i were talking about it last night we were like <laughs> man that guy is like we were saying like who would you be in fighter and the kid like if we did fighter and the kid who would you be and <laughs> i'm like and Sigur was like oh I'd definitely be callen i go no you wouldn't like you're not callen at all i'm definitely brian callen and he was like <laughs> Well, I'm not Brendan. I go, you're entirely Brendan. Yeah. You are fucking Brendan. He was like, he was like, no, no, you're Brendan. I go, I'm not Brendan. No. He's like, you're making promo videos. I go, no, that's because I need to because I have to sell tickets. <laughs> you're both, Callan. Yeah, well, yeah, I know what you mean. But, uh, but, yeah. but, man, it's I, very funny. I appreciate you doing this, man. Thanks, and you're special. Oh, yeah. I'll put a Never promo grow at the up. very beginning. Never grow up. Uh, come see it. And then I'll be at the uh, San Jose Improv, you bastards, uh, October 12, 13, 14. Nice. And then I'll be in Calgary at Yuck Yucks the next weekend after that. Ooh. Tickets at tfatk.com, thefighterandthekid.com. And then, uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, never grow up. It's on iTunes. Not on Hulu yet. It'll be there on December 3rd, and it's on Amazon and 80 other platforms. So that- There's a link. I'll do a promo for this for your special at the very beginning, but there will be a link in, to, the, to, to get your special in the credits of this You're podcast. Awesome. You're awesome. Thank I you. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you. I Thank love you. you. Love you, too. <laughs>